Hello, welcome to Living Box Free. I'm Ashleen Seitz. Becky Ford is sitting and silently staring at me because we are again having computer issues. It's not entirely our fault, but it's sort of our fault, but it's not entirely our fault. Anyway, the point is I'm on my own, but I do get to talk to a family member of Becky's. So I'm excited for that. Ronnie is here to join me. I should have asked you before we started, do you want to be called Ronnie online? Do you want to go buy something else? Yeah, Ronnie's great. Ronnie's right. great. Okay. Okay, perfect. Uh, Ronnie is here. We're going to talk about compassion and what happens when you run out of it, how to manage it. Uh, poof. Yeah, this is, it's kind of a deep and heavy topic, but also super helpful as you're navigating the world and navigating emotions, which we all have. So we're going to talk about that in a second. First of all, Ronnie, what's on the rise for you this week? Well, I have definitely been looking forward to speaking with you both today. I actually just got off a work call with a colleague, and uh, it was very refreshing. We both, uh, we were just able to be very real with each other and very affirming of each other's experiences. So there was um, quite a bit of compassion being spread here recently. <laughs> it felt very good. That's awesome. It's always good to have work calls on a Friday that feel like, you, you got something accomplished or you really connected and were able to share an experience together. I feel like the worst work calls for me are either at the end of the day or on Friday. And it's like, okay, well, we got nothing done. So let's talk again next time. That's that's, that's my least favorite. But uh, on the rise for me this week, I am heading into a rebrand of the organization that I work for. We've been working on this rebrand for almost a year now. And it's almost here and whew, I didn't know if we were going to make it there for a while. I really didn't. So that's what's on the rise for me. All the little details of like, you know, changing the Instagram profiles and making sure that Google business is updated and Yelp is updated and all those fun details. That's, that's what's on the rise for me this week. So pretty exciting if I do say so myself. Lots of merit, <laughs> it sounds like. Yes. All right. Ronnie, tell us about you. Tell us what we need to know about you as a human. Sure. So, of course, I am Becky's brother. So, also grew up in Kansas, very active in 4-H and FFA growing up. And uh, importantly, I lived with a Japanese host family when I was 15 for a month. And this sort of opened my eyes to other cultures uh, and different parts of the world, other ways of moving through it. And I became very interested in continuing to learn about other cultures. So I later studied abroad in Spain, um, was a Peace Corps volunteer in Paraguay for two years, and uh, came to grad school here in D.C., where I am now, to study basically international development or the process of attempting to reduce poverty. And I now work for an environmental NGO called World Resources Institute, um, and also have been very uh, served by mindfulness and meditation, and a lot of that deals with compassion. So that's what, uh, that's what I'm really excited about to talk about today. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for being here, and let's just dive right in then. So let's start with definition. What is compassion? For those who are either not familiar with the word or get it confused with other similar words, talk to us. What does it mean? So in my mind, compassion is sort of the process of opening your heart to other people's experiences. And this can mean 
acknowledging their suffering or um, acknowledging their joy or our commonality as humans or as beings, how everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to avoid suffering. And it's really seeing and maybe putting yourself into the other person or beings uh, shoes, so to speak. And um, I think it can be extremely beneficial as a practice. And as you've alluded to, Ash, sometimes uh, it can be painful as well. So it's interesting to delve into what makes it helpful or not so helpful, perhaps. Yeah, this is one of those, um, when we talked with, uh, oh goodness, Becky, help me, both and. Oh, Jim Bishop. Jim Bishop. We talked with Jim Bishop about both and. This is one of those both and situations where compassion is necessary and helpful and allows us to see the world differently, but it's also difficult and it can be both things. So excited to dive into that. Um, can you just, I know that it can be confusing the difference between sympathy and compassion or empathy and compassion. Can you just talk to us about those differences real quick? I think we've outlined them before on the podcast, but. Right. Uh, so in my mind, compassion perhaps entails a little more action than sympathy alone, whereas sympathy maybe is the capacity to feel something that someone else is experiencing. Compassion is maybe um, you acknowledge it, you feel it, but you also seek to do something with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for explaining that. Let's let's jump into, I mean, you already said you're passionate about compassion and talking about this and you're excited about this topic. So why? I mean, it's kind of a random thing to be passionate about in terms of, you know, some people are passionate about golf and you are passionate about compassion. So let's talk about that. Tell me why. Of course. It served me very uh, well over the last few years. So I'd say I first discovered its benefits when, um, okay, it's been a a winding road. Uh, Towards the end of Peace Corps, I became very burnt out uh, Mm -hmm. during service. So you, you go abroad to this often remote community for two years, and I was homesick a lot of the time from family and friends. Uh, Cultural differences could be very stark and uncomfortable at times. And uh, yet I really wanted to help the people in my community whom I got to know. And at times it seemed as though people would claim to to really care about something. Uh, And you put in a lot of effort to help them with that thing And then it doesn't pan out often because people are busy. They have lives of their own. And so they may not actually take the responsibility that is necessary to achieve their own goals. This happens in the U.S. too, of course. So, uh, but I handled it. uh, It was very painful. And so practicing compassion for myself at that point in time was very healing because Uh, And this is where managing compassion comes in. At at that time, it was hurtful to me because I overly identified with other people's suffering, perhaps, and my desire to help. Uh, But I couldn't. My capacity to create change was very limited. Um, And that's where I think we need to be careful about uh, how we practice compassion. But 
practicing it for ourselves, recognizing that uh, everyone faces difficulties and our experiences are valid, uh, can be very healing. And so throughout the, the years since Peace Corps, meditating regularly, um, one also practices compassion for other beings. Um, and I say beings because it's not only humans, but um, animals as well, or other forms of life. And it can just, it can make you really happy to acknowledge the uh, importance of all life. So maybe a long-winded answer, but uh, there's a lot to it. No, it's great. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm wondering, Ronnie, would you be willing to give us an example of something that, that happened that burned you out? I mean, I absolutely agree and have experienced that too, but I, I would love to have an example of what does that actually look like of, you know, you cared and it didn't happen or it didn't happen the way you expected and then it was difficult. Can you give us an example? Yes. There was one family in particular that I was... Um, I spent a lot of time with, and mm -hmm. we were attempting to start the town's first public library. And when we first mentioned this to the community, you had maybe 20 people say that they were interested, that they wanted this library. Uh, however, we needed the municipality's approval to make this, this vacant building available for use. And it took us months just to uh, start making progress. And there was a lot of politics, local politics involved, uh, which slowed things down a lot. And every week, fewer and fewer community members would show up to the meetings. And uh, maybe five months in, it seemed like no one cared anymore. Uh, and I felt like it was just me and, and my host mom that were left caring. And eventually both of us felt really burnt out because it's something that was going to benefit everyone, but because of politics almost didn't happen. So it took us eight months for the library to open. And um, there were definitely some times in there when I questioned what I was doing <laughs> in Paraguay. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for sharing that story. I feel like for me, compassion fatigue happens uh, um, in, well, we haven't even really defined that fata compassion fatigue. Maybe you want to talk about that first, but I'll just tell this story. Yeah, personal anecdote, if you will. Um, it happens for me in things that are ongoing. So it, I think the war in Ukraine right now is an excellent example of we just don't have the the attention span to pay attention to things that are that sad and require that much compassion for a long period of time. And so we kind of forget that it's even happening. I just recently yesterday, yesterday, I think, uh, read an article about, um, an WNBA player who is being detained in Russia and was detained the first day of the war. And I didn't even realize that she was still there. And because I'd just forgotten about it because it was too much for me to carry or it felt like too much for me to carry for however long it's been. I don't even know how long it's been, a month and a half. I don't know. Um, because it just feels like it's too heavy to carry for that long. Um, so that's, for me, where compassion fatigue comes in. C can you talk about compassion fatigue as, as opposed to, like, talk about that term? Yeah, I think you make a really good point, firstly, that uh, 
when we care so much about another's situation, yet we lack the capacity to do anything about it, then it is fatiguing, exhausting. And um, I think uh, that compassion fatigue occurs a lot in the service or helping industries. So maybe nurses, doctors, um, teachers, people who are seeking to improve others' well-being yet may run into roadblocks. Uh, they just their capacity for change is limited and um, it's extremely draining and kind of makes you lose hope. So I think that's where, once again, managing how we practice compassion is really important. And uh, Ukraine is a great example how it's important to acknowledge what's happening, but spending a lot of time thinking about all of the suffering that's happening um, can actually be counterproductive with our limited capacity to create change. Yeah, makes sense. What? Why? I agree with you, but why is that? Why is it counterproductive? Myself, uh, if I were to spend a lot of time thinking about Ukraine right now, I might just curl up into my bed yeah. and not want to do anything because I would lose hope. Yeah. Right? Uh, I work in in an organization trying to resolve climate change, which is also something I can only think about in, in low doses. Yeah, you can't, yeah. There's not a lot of hope to be found there either, yes. Yeah, so it can just be very discouraging. And on the, the other side of this is another way of practicing compassion, I think. Um, going back to Ukraine, it is the process of um, wishing for the well-being of others. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, Acknowledging that other people, once again, also seek to be happy like me. They want to be safe like me. I know what this feels like to want to be safe. And I can wish for their safety. And I think this leads to a more productive mindset. Um, like what, can I, what organizations can I donate to to help people be safe or access humanitarian aid? Um, it's just it creates more open-heartedness that I think can both make us happy and actually create change versus yeah. focusing on people's suffering exclusively. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I love that. I let's let's dive into where do you experience compassion? Like if you are living your life, going about your day, where do you experience compassion for others, for other beings, for yourself? There's a few instances that come to mind. I <laughs> I wake up at 4 a.m. every day and I have breakfast out on our patio that looks into this little sketchy alleyway. And we have rats yeah. that are always uh, eating our, our trash and stuff. And I actually, I think those rats want to be happy like me. In fact, while many people are annoyed by these rats, they're picking up after us. They're, they're kind of helping, serving in a way. And their lives are valuable. Um, so that's honestly one of the first moments of compassion I experience. Same with birds or other animals I see. Um, and then as I move throughout the day, there's many instances like going to the grocery store or a restaurant where there's a server. Moments where you can be present enough to acknowledge the other person's humanity and that um, 
kind of putting yourself in their shoes and treating them with like the full dignity um, that they deserve. I think there's a connection that can be made between people in those moments, uh, which once again requires a lot of presence, but um, that's something that I've improved at a little bit in the last year since probably practicing meditation and mindfulness more. And that's the last example I would give is meditation itself. Many practices will involve actively cultivating more compassion for others or for oneself. And um, I would reference Tara Brock. Uh, she has a practice called RAIN, which is an acronym standing for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. So you recognize your own um, emotions or thoughts, what's happening internally. Let's say it's anger. You allow the anger to persist. What does it feel like in your body physically? And then you investigate. What is the anger trying to tell you that you need? And then you nurture. You provide that to yourself. Um, so meditation can be, that that's a regular time during the day when I also experience compassion. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great list. I, I tend to, my compassion levels are, I don't know if you feel this way, but my compassion levels can be so high that I feel compassion or empathy for inanimate objects. And my car is frequently one of them. I'm like, if I'm driving up a hill, I'm like, okay, buddy, you can make it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know you're old. This is an old, this is a big hill. <laughs> there aren't even any big hills in Indiana. I don't know what my problem is, but so, <laughs> you know, that's one of the side benefits of cultivating compassion. You, you start apologizing to in, inanimate objects. <laughs> um, so we've talked a little bit about the benefits of compassion. I, I feel like there are I mean, we didn't really delve into the fact that it helps helps you see other people's perspectives. You mentioned that, but we didn't really dive into, like, what is the difference if you go to a restaurant, like you're saying, and your server walks up to you experiencing compassion versus not experiencing compassion? Like, what is the benefit of that for you and for them? How would you describe that? I think it's an opportunity to foster connection. Mm. And personally, connection is some one of the things that makes me most happy when I feel like I have seen someone and someone has seen me. And whether the server, let's say they're having a bad day, if I'm present enough to acknowledge their situation or their plausible situation, then I can treat them in such a way that can improve their day. And I can see that it's improving their day. And usually that presence is reciprocated. So I really think by practicing compassion in situations like these, it makes all parties happier. Yeah, that's awesome. I've seen someone and someone has seen me. I love that. All right, well, let's talk about the other side of it. <laughs> let's talk about the, the negative side and what happens when we overload what has been your experience with that? I mean, you talked about the Peace Corps and burning out, but what did that actually feel like for you? And what can happen to others as they experience that compassion overload? Mm. Towards the end of Peace Corps uh, was especially painful. I uh, began, well, I, I cared so much about 
trying to make a difference, but for many reasons was unable to. And um, I felt very hopeless. I felt very cynical about international development work, poverty alleviation. Uh, I felt like it was pointless. I started to just not care about helping anyone. And for me that all of this hopelessness and dread manifested in the form of addiction. And um, for me, it was specifically food and alcohol. And this is where like the emotional turbulence can lead to physical pain and uh, it can ruin your health. So I know that the, you all have spoken numerous times in this podcast about mental health, emotional health, um, and physical. And I, I think that compassion can play a role in all of this. And so, yeah, that's where managing how we practice it is essential. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I don't know. I kind of just want to sit in that for a moment. I feel like at this week I've been like, I could, my other option for saying on the rise this week was, uh, my mental illness has been on the rise. Um, my depression just like tanked me on Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday and Thursday. And today we've headed like skyrocketed the other direction into anxiety and <laughs> the anxiety is causing physical reactions. And I'm, I'm like not functioning well as my body is not functioning well as a reaction to that. And so I just, want to yeah validate and reiterate that that physical response to those feelings and to that feeling of being overwhelmed by your feelings it's so difficult to manage so yeah let's let's talk about it how how do you manage it how do you function when so much of the world is going wrong when there are you know people dying right and left um you can't do much about it how how do you deal with that Firstly, thank you for sharing, Ash, your experience. Uh, that's something I've, I've mentioned to you before. I really appreciate about both of you um, being real. And in regards to the overwhelming nature of the world, I recently, I was thinking about sort of a framework for managing compassion. So we spoke about becoming aware of other people's suffering that being valuable to inform our actions and uh, being realistic, right, about the state of the world. And then there's wishing for the well-being of others, which is also pragmatic and can maybe lead us to taking actionable steps, opening our heart to other yeah. people's situations, but also practicing self-compassion. And I think that is really key because let's say that we we think about all the suffering in the world. Uh, if we don't practice compassion for ourselves, then it's almost as if we're expending all of our energy, we'll feel drained. And then I'll curl up in my bed over here. But if I have, if I can practice compassion for myself, um, it's more restorative. It gives me the energy and the space to acknowledge, yeah, this is hard. I'm feeling down. It makes sense. It's okay to feel down. It'll change. So I think there's these three parts of managing compassion, having it for ourselves, 
for other people's suffering and also for other people's joy. Yeah. I, I feel like it's been months since I've said my mantra, which is it's okay to be where you are. <laughs> and that's basically what how I would summarize what you just said. It's it's okay to be feeling those feelings and it's okay to be uncertain where the hope lies in a situation. Um and it's okay to just be there and be in that and give yourself compassion. I, like I said, I was really depressed Monday and Tuesday. Um, Becky got to experience some of it. Yay, Becky. Um, I, several times on Monday and Tuesday, I was like, I just want to lie down on the floor and cry. So I did <laughs> like that. It just, it didn't necessarily help, but it made it not worse. It made it not build up more. And so that compassion on yourself or on myself in that moment um, allows me to accept those feelings and that, but that's really hard to do, especially when you're in a public place, guys, it's awkward. Let me tell you. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I watched Becky and our friend Nicole work out for a while and it was, I felt better afterwards. So, um, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so I don't, I just have more questions, but I'm trying to figure out where, where to focus here, Ronnie, this is really great stuff. I really appreciate your willingness and desire to talk about this as we head toward wrapping up. Do you have resources? Do you have things that you would say, you know, you got to read this book, you got to listen to this podcast. What, what has been helpful? Okay. I have two different questions. What are your resources you would recommend? And then two You've talked about meditation. Are there other things that have been like either practical things or tangible things that have been helpful to you in managing your compassion? Yes. So starting with resources, I would once again, highly recommend Tara Brock. She has a website uh, and the practice in particular that I would look at is RAIN. Once again, R-A-I-N. It's a guided meditation it's pretty easy and simple and can be very effective. That's one of my go-to practices when I'm feeling really down and need some self-love and compassion. Uh, she also has a book called Radical Compassion, which is a great resource. Um, you can take your time reading it and learn a lot about this and also other practices. Um, another go-to for me is Thich Nhat Hanh. He also has a book called No Mud, No Lotus. So just lots of wisdom there. And I think it can also be beneficial to experiment with, uh, for example, I, was, I did a, guide, a silent meditation retreat over the holidays for 10 days. And you have to, so you can't speak, you can't read, um, you can't, listen to anything. And also you have to commit not to kill, which sounds easy, right? But um, this means not killing any beings. So it rained one of these days and yeah. I was going for a walk and the street was full of worms. <laughs> so you have to avoid them as you're yeah. walking. And it was so interesting, uh, cautiously taking every step to avoid killing and it makes you recognize, wow, these, these worms have life. They're valuable. I don't have to kill them just with a little presence. Mm 
And so maybe experimenting, going a day with, with mindfully, not killing or um, practicing compassion for all beings and other ways. Yeah. And could you please remind me the second part of your question? I mean, you kind of just answered it, but it was um, what things have been helpful to you. So go, this silent meditation, it sounds like, was helpful to you. Any other recommendations? Yeah, so meditation is probably one of the most helpful for me. But mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of value in journaling as well. And um, this mm -hmm. can be especially useful for self-compassion. Just writing your emotions out on paper yeah. or your frustrations with other people. And then sort of turning the narrative to think, what else might this person be experiencing? Why might they be behaving this way? What am I overlooking? Um, so getting this out of our head can maybe help mm -hmm. us examine other people's situations more and also provide ourselves with more um, love and support. Yeah. As Becky quotes, you know, why would a reasonable, rational person be doing this? Um, and just, yeah, coming from that place of trusting that they have their reasons and then trying to sort out what their reasons are. So. Yeah, very wise. Any last thoughts, Ronnie, before we wrap up here? I feel like this has been a great conversation, but I'd love to, if there's anything else you would like to say. I would just reiterate that uh, I think there's a lot more to gain from practicing compassion than we risk losing. Mm. And um I would draw our attention back to the restaurant, right? Where both people see each other and both people's days improve. That sense of open-heartedness um, is what really drives me to continue trying to practice compassion. Yeah. Um, so I'd encourage everyone to explore these different resources, have an open mind um, and practice compassion for yourself too. Yeah. You deserve yeah. it. I love that. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thanks for being here. It was great to talk about all of all those feelings. We have those feelings. We tend to just shove them aside, uh, which is not the better answer. And so learning to manage that compassion. Thanks for, for bringing that conversation in anything, anything you, Becky isn't talking. So would you like to tell any really embarrassing or horrifying stories about Becky before oh. we close? Oh my, that is tempting. <laughs> there are, there are none. Yeah, Becky says there are none. I have a hard time believing that. Well, if you decide that you want to tell some, we can always throw one up on our Instagram story. So, you know, okay. just keep that in mind. Maybe we'll save it for that. No, she's yeah. a she's a pretty decent sister. So. <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Ronnie. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you for having me.